Dan Richardson was a man who liked to do things his own way. He was very organized and very directed. And that's no less true for his funeral than for everything else he did. The file in the abbot's office from Dan about details concerning this funeral is over an inch thick. And one stipulation, if it were in fact to have happened, would certainly be clear evidence for the cause of Dan's canonization, which is he stipulated that Father Timothy say the Mass. The last time I checked, Father Timothy was still in his grave over there. Because while Father Timothy's not here to say the Mass, I expect he is here to welcome Dan into the banquet of the heavenly kingdom. Two thoughts strike me on this occasion. The first, and the most important, is a recurring theme, I think, in all funerals. St. Paul tells us in one of his letters, be not like the pagans who grieve without hope. And it's very important to take both of those elements in his statement. Like the pagans, we grieve. Because in its own way, grief is a beautiful thing. Because it is a testament to the love that we have for the person who has died. And it is a strong statement against the ultimate reality of death, knowing that somehow what we experience as death was never meant to be by God in his original plan. It is the result of the fall, and it is deeply wrong. It severs us in a radical way from the person that we love. It feels terrible, and so it is worthy of deep grief. But St. Paul tells us not to grieve the way unbelievers do, because their grief is inconsolable, because all they see is the separation and the loss. But what we see, because we have hope in Christ Jesus, we see that there is something beyond the separation and the loss, something so far better than the richest and most beautiful experience in this life as to be quite literally indescribable. And it is the certainty that that reality lies before all who die, lies ahead of us, that is the source of our hope, so that we can grieve deeply, but not despairingly. And it is that sure and certain hope in the resurrection that brings us together today to pray 
for the soul of this man that he might speedily enter into his destiny, which is the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. The second thought that occurred to me was, what is the meaning behind the long-suffering of this man? We are certainly taught that suffering is an inevitable part of human life, and all of us has some share in it. But Dan's life was destined for suffering in the extreme. And what meaning can we bring from that? Again, I turn to St. Paul, and he says in one place something absolutely remarkable, even outlandish. He tells us that the sufferings we endure make up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. How can Christ's sufferings lack anything that they need to be filled up, completed, made whole by our sufferings? No matter how grievous ours may be, they can't compare to Christ's. So what might St. Paul mean by that? Well, I think it's deeply mysterious and immensely powerful. And I think it means two things. One has a lot to do with the Catholic understanding of what a sacrament is. And that is a physical sign in this world made of the stuff of creation that by the power of the Holy Spirit is transformed into a spiritual reality that in fact makes manifest here and now the power and grace of God's Holy Spirit. Sacraments aren't empty show. They are for real. And I think what St. Paul is pointing to is that the suffering of a Christian is a kind of sacrament insofar as it brings to the here and now of our lives the sufferings of Christ on the cross over 2,000 years ago. So that Christ again is present here in the life of a person who suffers as the suffering Christ. And as our faith teaches us, that is a crucial element in what we call the Paschal Mystery, which is the suffering, dying, and rising of Christ. Christ's victory over death and the power of the resurrection made manifest to us could not be present to us without Calvary. And so the suffering of every person, if entered into with faith, becomes transformative, becomes a vehicle for the power of Christ's own suffering to become present 
in the lives of that person and those around him or her. So the suffering Christian becomes a channel, a vehicle for the power of the cross to be at work in this place, in this time. That is undoubtedly the most important and the most effective ministry any disciple of Christ can have. And Dan had it. The second thing that St. Paul's statement about our sufferings make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ suggests to me is this, and it's about the person who suffers. In my suffering in this life, if I enter into it with faith, then it becomes a deep means of communion with Christ himself on the cross. And that will inevitably be the most intimate and most powerful means for me to be united to my Lord until I experience resurrection as well. That is an extraordinary gift And we all will experience it to one degree or another. And please, God, when it comes our way, we might have the grace and the humility to enter into it and to let that experience of deep communion with the suffering Christ be for us a moment of transformation. Our faith brings us here, our hope in the promise of God, and our knowledge that Dan has gone his way to the Lord who called him into being, who loved him every moment of his life on earth, and who has himself prepared a place for him.